All right. So here's what we did. Um, this is an impossible task, but um, we asked everybody to kind of come up with a two-minute takeaway. So right now you're kind of doing the math, right? One, two, three. This will be 16 minutes long, right? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I'm not going to just – I'm going to be quiet now. So I'll let you all decide what order you want to go in. Whenever you're ready, just say, now. And just make sure you introduce yourselves, okay? Not everybody knows you, although they should. So before I went to India, I was really nervous and anxious, and um, the Sunday before I left, uh, Jay Phillips asked me if I was ready to go, and I was like, yeah, but I'm scared. So he looks at me, and he's like, perfect love cast out all fear. So I said, okay, I'll remember that. Then Sunday night, wow, it's really loud now. <laughs> Sunday night, uh, I'm talking to my dad, and I'm still nervous, and he asked me a question, and he's like, what does perfect love do? And I said, it casts out all fear. So um, then Thursday, we are on the plane to go from Charlotte to uh, the JFK airport. And I hate flying, so I'm like freaking out. Um, and then <laughs> Dr. Shank is beside me, and he's like, did God call you to go on this trip? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, perfect love will cast out all fear. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, God, I think you're trying to tell me something here. Um, anyway, so that verse, which is 1 John 4:18, I think, um, kind of stayed with me the whole time we were there. I mean, y'all could, we were in terrible areas and everything, but it, I just kept replaying that in my head. And um, when we got back last week, we uh, got together to talk about what today was going to be like and everything. And Wendy shared a story about uh, Joycey and Koshi that I had not heard before. And um, the story was that, well, they get a lot of death threats over there. And um, the story, and y'all let me know if I'm telling this right, but um, the story is somebody knocked on their door and uh, Joycey answered the door and she She's like, I know you guys are, I know you're here to kill me, and right now we're alone, so this will be a good time. And I, that stayed with me, and I was like, if somebody knocked on my door and they were, I knew they were there to kill me, I would not answer the door, much less respond like she did. And um, and then I was like, wow, they live fear, like without any fear there. And that verse came back, and I was like, wow, perfect love does cast out all fear. And it was like. Joycey and Koshi live that and they understand that and like you know like their love for God and God's love for them is perfect that it allows them to love the people there that are lost without fear of dying and that for me was like wow I need I need to be like that so yeah I'm done Yes, there it is. Did everybody understand? I want to make sure you get that. That's an amazing story. So the man who literally was to, had to hit 
on Joycey. Koshi and Joycey, you'll hear us say their names a lot. They're the pastor and the pastor's wife. That's over all that we just saw. They feed 3,000 kids a day. Um, they've got 53 churches. Their goal is to have 200 churches by the year 2020. Anyway, so they're doing amazing work for God in a very dark place. And so um, there was a threat, a death threat on, on the pastor's wife's life. And the man who was to kill her knocked on her door. And she was the only one there. So she answered the door and said, hey, you're here to kill me. Why don't you come in? Because there's nobody here. This would be a great time. And he ended up not killing her. And Actually, now I think he is kind of behind the scenes and um, actually protects her. So he's still in his, in his place. But God moved in that moment. And now he actually comes and tells her if there's other things coming against them um, to come after them. And so God moved in an amazing way because that's what he does over there and here. Who wants to talk next? Okay. Awesome. I'll go next because I'm really nervous. Um, I am absolutely not a public speaker, so I just... Uh, You're doing great. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank you. Tara, by the way, <laughs> Tara was not in a lot of pictures because she was the one taking all those pictures. Yes. They were amazing, weren't they? Great yes. pictures. Thank you, guys. Um... You know, when I first met Paul, which was, you know, maybe about a year or so ago um, at the coffee shop, um, he had mentioned that the church goes on um, a, a bi, well, not bi yearly, but every other year goes on a mission trip to India. And I thought, wow, you know, that's what I want to do. Um, it was always a dream of mine to go to India. Um, you know, just the culture itself, it's beautiful, it's colorful. Um, so I was really excited, um, but what I didn't know is, you know, what kind of an impact that this place has on you and has on your heart. Um, I think for me, when I was there, um, I was very much shielded by my camera. Um, you know, you see these kids and you see these families. And there are just so many there that are lost. I mean, millions of people there that that don't know Christ. And you think, how can we... We can't save them quick enough. So, you know, while I was there and, you know, doing my job and... Because I felt like it was a job that, you know, God had put on my heart to um, be able to to really document. Thank you. Um, to really be able to document so you guys could see what um, life in India is like. Um, you know, again, it was a shield for me. And when I got home, you know, editing through these photos, it is um, it's just amazing how much it affects you. And so the thing that I came away with is that, you know, we're very small. We're, you know, I'm only one person, but God is huge. And so um, in Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, 
Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done by, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So I just ask all of you guys, just not just, um, not just every other year when, when we start to um, prepare to go to India and we talk about India, but to keep these people in your daily prayers because prayer works and um, you know God does work miracles and there's so many different gods that they think rule their lives um, and we all know that there's only one God and so if you can just pray to him that um, in miraculous ways that he will touch these people's lives Okay, um, my name's Angela Lucas, and um, this is, since I've been back, um, you know, Paul and Richard, they kept telling us that we would process things, and I know I've been really quiet at home, and my husband's asked me a lot, what's wrong? Um, today's the day, I guess, the emotions are coming out, and um, seeing the pictures have brought back a lot of memories. When we went, um, I work at a hospital, and the medical camps that we set up, you know, I knew that would be really important. I quickly found out that that was nowhere near as important as the other work. We did see 2,100 people in our medical camps in five days that we set up medical camps. Um, we would have two teams going at a time, but that was our final number, which is a lot. Um, but the thing that um, affected me the most was when we went to the church in the rag picker slums, the one that you saw on the video and everybody got in this small space for. Paul had talked to me about it earlier that day. I was not even aware that our church supported that church. So when he told me you know, that we started this church two years ago when the gathering was started and that we supported 100%, it was $250 a month, you know, that day I had been to church, um, to Coach's church where there was about uh, probably between four and 500 people, and it was a nice church. There were chairs there. Some people sat on the floor, and a lot of people sat in chairs and all. So when I got to this church, um, we walked for a while. Y'all saw that on the video, um, and it was turning dark, but that's just from the time of day, but there was a darkness in that place um, that had nothing to do with what time of day it was. And I just remember as we approached the church and I could hear the singing because church had already started, it was just such a revelation to me. I mean, I can't explain the feeling that I had, but when we got there, Joycey looked in, you know, and she said, they've already started. But, of course, it didn't matter to them that they were sitting, no pews, no chairs, nothing. They parted the way and asked us to come in. We, you know, went following through there, and they made room for us. There were four chairs at the front of the church. Um, Johnny, Paul, Wendy, and just because of where I was in line, I ended up with a chair. And one guy was playing the keyboards. 
And we sat there, and I looked, and some of the thoughts that went through my head was, because we had just, you know, haven't been in this building long, and I thought the fire marshal would have a field day in here. Um, there was one ceiling fan, and there was one window without panes or anything. It was just an opening and the one door. And I sat there, and I counted the 95 people who didn't matter to them that it was 150-plus degrees in there, that nobody wore deodorant, um, that they were packed in there like sardines. The only thing that mattered to them was that they were hearing the Word of God and that the hunger that they had for it was so tremendous. And I thought back to Albemarle, where there's a church on every single corner where you have your, you can pick wherever you want to go to church. If you want to go to the early service, you can go so that you have the afternoon off. If you, you know, we are, we have so much, and yet it's so easy for us to think, oh, I'm just not feeling like church today. I think I'm going to stay at home. They go through so much. Not, they go through persecution just to get to come to church. And they're so hungry for God. I went to there on this trip thinking I would teach them something. I was so wrong because they taught me so much more. You know, there's a scripture, and it says, whoever is Proverbs um, 21, verse 13, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. You know, there is a huge cry from the people of India wanting more of God and we are able to help answer that cry and you know I just want y'all to think about that and know as we prepare because in my heart you know I'm already thinking how I'm going to plan this next trip and I'm ready to go back so um, I hope y'all think about that the next time you're thinking I want to stay home from church today just because I have the option. They have the option too, but it's so much different. Well, I'm Kathy Udy. This was my second trip. Um, I went six years ago. This trip was a little bit easier and a little bit better for me, uh, although there were still some times that it was pretty rough, but all in all, the trip was better. But um, I got to share with my care group, uh, community group, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I started off by letting them know that uh, when I was in nursing school years ago, God laid on my heart that there would be a time when I would be able to use my uh, skills and abilities for mission work. Um, so it was some 25, maybe 28 years after I finished school that I was able to do that. But what the scripture he laid on my heart was Matthew 25, and I think it's 41. But it, anyway, it's in that in in that particular scripture is where God is Jesus is telling them that when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to the least of me. You know, the cup of water, the the blanket. So each time I stuck a child with the needle to put the medication in, it was Jesus, or you know it. I remembered that, you know, I'm, I'm doing it unto him, so it was to help them. And one of the things I brought brought home uh, or that really touched me was the Tuesday that we were in the one camp that was open. 
And uh, one of the first ones we saw, Dr. Shank collared over to me and told me to get this huge dose of uh, antibiotic ready and a steroid because he had a very sick, probably 13, 14-year-old girl. And I thought, wow, that is a huge dose of antibiotic. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, you know, this is not going to be very uh, painless for her. So I got it ready, and when I saw her, Richard saw her too, and we both looked at each other like, oh, this is not good, to the point where this, this it was so bad, this girl looked like she could go out in a shock at any moment and that this was somebody that should be in the hospital. So I felt like, oh, God, I'm putting a Band-Aid over a huge wound, but whatever you can do with this, you do it and, and help this girl. So I gave her the shots, and um, Richard, we, she lived right across the little road from where we were, so Richard scooped her up, and we carried her over to her house, and the whole time trying to get, instill into this mother that you really need to get her to the hospital. This was what Dr. Shank had told him, too. So she had, was getting a hold of the father, and she assured us that she was going to do that. So we, we made a pack that we were going to go over about every 30 minutes until she left and check on her. So the second time we went to check on her, Richard was talking to the mother, but and she was beginning to look a little bit better, but I just laid my hand on her and prayed for her and, and asked God to touch her because there was not any more that we could do for her. But I knew that we had a big God and that whatever we did for her, he could take and, and make it miraculous. So we got word that she did get to go to the hospital. So, you know, I thought, okay, you know, we've, we've done what we could do. But I was so surprised and excited that sometime in the afternoon after lunch, here she was again. And she had been to the hospital. She had gotten some fluids. They'd given her some more antibiotics. And she looked 100% better walking on her own, and I mean, this child had to be carried across the street and moaning, and I mean, I just, I thought, God, if you do not intervene, this child, this girl will not be here. We had another one after that that we did, and and if you could see some of the pictures, this was the school that, um, when they had the rainy season a couple months before that, their school was underwater, and this was not clean water. It was sewage water. So there is no telling what they had ingested, which caused them to be sick. And we even saw some of the children before we left washing their hands in this filthy water, like preparing for supper. But, it, you know, that warmed my heart, and, and I know God took what we did, what little we did that day to help her, and that, you know, her life was spared Another thing that, and I'm not going to go into details, but the last day we were there, the bathroom situation was really rough. There, in our hotels, we had regular toilets, and some of the places we went, there were no toilets. Those were days that I went against my nursing judgment, and I didn't go to the bathroom the whole time I was there. <laughs> and I did come home with a urinary tract infection. But anyway. Thanks for sharing. Medications help that. But anyway, there was the last day, uh, talking about the humbleness of these people, how they were so excited to be able to share a cup of tea with you in the midday and to fix meals for you and things like that. Well, this one Friday, 
our last day. I knew I could not wait. I had to go to the bathroom. So I asked one of the young guys, I said, can you see if they can find a bathroom for me? So, you know, here I'm thinking, yeah, they're going to take me to this. Because it was a middle-class area we were in, not really one of the big slums, but it was still. So I thought, yeah, I'll get to go to one of their houses and use one of their toilets. No. I got to use one of the community toilets, which was the hole in the floor and no lighting. So when she takes me there and she shuts the door, I can't see nothing. And I'm going, I can't see. So she was so honored to turn her flashlight, her little bitty flashlight on, and open the door wide enough to stick her hand in there while I used the bathroom. That was an honor for her to shed a little bit of light for me. And I thought, Lord, they do this every day. And, and she was so proud to be able to share that with me. And it humbled me because here I thought I was too good to use their toilets where you it was not as easy to do as they're used to doing but anyway it was a good trip I enjoyed it I love being with the team y'all you all do not know and do not realize what a team we have what a pastor and his wife we have and what other team members and family members we have that they are so humble and so willing to get down and dirty with these people and love them and make funny faces and share the love of God. We are so blessed. And in more ways than one, we are so blessed to be able to decide where we go to church, what we have to eat, where we go to the bathroom, just things that we take for granted. I had a, a member of, of at work, and I'm going to close with this, and she said, you're not the same since you've been back. And she couldn't pinpoint it. And I couldn't pinpoint it, but I told her, you just do not know once you've been in a country like that and you realize when you come back what you have. And I'm going to share one more thing, and this is what happened last week, and then I'll, I'll be quiet. Last week when Pastor Paul told us to write a word on a piece of paper and then write nothing, well, we went through the Dave Ramsey course this year, and we are doing better with our finances, but there are still a few things that... We need, we need God to intervene with. And so that, that was kind of heavy on my heart last Sunday. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to put down finances, and I believe you have everything in control and nothing's impossible with you, and I'm going to believe that you're going to take care of it. Well, you know, then the devil kind of gets on to you, and so it tells you, you know, he's not going to come through in time. You're going, you know, you're really going to be in a bad shape here. You know, you better do something. So I started thinking about that and thinking of other, you know, another way that I could take care of this bill without waiting on God. And he reminded me, trust. I ask you to trust me, trust me. So that was Monday. Well, Tuesday, my regional vice president came in and, and was talking to my administrator. And um, he came to talk to me and he had this look on his face which I thought oh no he's going somewhere else and I'm going to be here by myself and I'll have to get used to another you know administrator and I said what what what's wrong with you and he said come in I need to tell you something and he said I got some good news and some bad news I said tell me the good news first I can't handle the bad news right now so he told me he said um you're getting a bonus this year I went yes you know, right out loud, really, you know, and you have to understand, 
My administrator's a good man, and he is good to me, but he is not saved. So when he said that, I said, "You, that is such an answer to prayer. And, y'all, he knows my faith. He knows that I believe in God and that I know God's going to take care of me. And he said, now, wait a minute. It's not in stone yet. I said, it might not be in your stone, but it's in his stone. And he's promised me he was going to take care of me, and he told me to trust me. And you just confirmed what I've been told to do, trust him, and he's going to take care of me with this bonus. So the day went on, and his bad news was he didn't get a bonus, but he's still going to stay with me, so we'll get a bonus next year. But at the end of the day, um, again, he thanked me and told me that I was the one that deserved the bonus. But I told him, I said, you know, I want you to know that when I was so excited It was an excitement to know that I was going to get the bonus, but it was more of an excitement to know that my God is in control and he is able to do more than we can exceedingly know and that he will take care of us down to making sure that we trust him for a bill that we know we can't do by ourselves. And he is a good God. And if you don't know that, I want you to know it today. He loves you with all his heart. Thank you. That was some good preaching right there, wasn't it? That was good. So right now you're looking at your watch going, okay, we're four down, four to go, right? No, I'm just kidding with you. Have you ever tried to take your heart and squeeze it into two minutes? It's tough. It's tough. Um, that was good. I didn't know that story. That was awesome. And we have a dark bathroom set up. Right, in the hole, back with, a, with a hole to make this more interactive. So if you'd like to try that later, Kathy will be glad to hold her iPhone flashlight for you. Okay. Um, I'm going to try and do this seated. Richard tells me I'm going to have to stand. I know, right? I teach children. Y'all are big. So I'm going to look at y'all. Um, I teach them. They're used to kids. <laughs> they're not used to me. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a few scriptures, and then I'm going to talk. Um, yeah, we're going to let Richard hold the mic. It'll help. Um, not right there. Okay. Okay. Um, um, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of darkness, a power powers of the dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is spiritual darkness. Okay? Um, For you were once in the darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. So because of the Lord in you, you are the light. Hold on. I just have to start with the Bible. It's just the way it works with my brain. No, I'm not going to stand. Hold on. Okay. Matthew. Um, now this is one that I teach to children. Everybody teaches to children. Okay. But I just, um, let's just read it. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. We could dissect that in so many ways, but I'm going to try real hard not to. Um, 
You are the light of the Lord because the Lord lives in you. We were the light of Jesus that went to India. And we went to a very dark place. Um, the only way, I came away with a really big two-minute takeaway um, for the big picture. I have a lot of little bitty uh, God moments for the little picture for Bridget because um, Jesus is really good. But I'm going to try and share the big picture. Um, when we were walking in India, it is a very spiritually dark place. There is darkness. That You saw the trash. You saw the people. That is nothing normal. We were not in a strange place. That is their everyday life. Animals on the side of the road, sewage in the street. Um, they worship many gods. They are not the God. They worship many gods. Those gods are darkness. Okay? So darkness is prevalent all over. Everywhere you go, there is just darkness that you can feel. It is just there. That is their life, okay? Um, so in the places that we would go, especially the church that we showed, um, we were walking through this darkness, and it was very uh, present, okay? And we're walking through this darkness, and you're looking around, um, and you walk into this room, this little room with these people that are sweating and that is crammed, and we're sitting on top of each other, and children are sitting on top of parents, and it's just um, crammed, Okay, but we just walked through all of this darkness and we step into that building and Jesus is there. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter about what's around you when you step into a place where Jesus is and he was there. And those people, there was one group of girl teenagers that that day we had been to three services and they had been to every one of them. They were very close to me. They helped me uh, teach. I got to teach. We won't go there because that's a Bridget story. But I got to teach the children in India, the children of the nations. Oh, good gravy. Um, <laughs> that was exciting for me. And Jesus moved, but wrong story. Um, so we walk in, and Jesus is there. These three girls, I, I don't know how they got around. I don't know if they walked there or what, but they were just as excited to be in that night service as they were in that morning service just because Jesus was there, and that is the light and the darkness. And so I'm sitting there in this room, and I'm looking around, and what I see are shoots of light, okay? And we just walked through this incredible darkness, and I see these shoots of light coming up out of that building. Now, y'all, I'm going to tell you, those shoots of light are those people because Jesus is there and they're taking that back to their homes and they're taking that back to where they go. Very long story short, Kids City has very much a calling like that to raise up children to send out that are the light. Okay, so this is probably why I got this big revelation. But in that country, Koshi, that's what he's doing. He's making relationships. He's planting small little churches. He's uh, discipling people. He's bringing that light to them. And then those shoots of light are going into a very dark world. And it was overwhelming to see. It was like an object lesson for me right there with Jesus. You know what I mean? Like we do object lessons for the kids to, to understand. And it was like, look at this, Bridget. This is, this is how it works in the spiritual there is darkness all around. I am the light. I walk in, and it shoots out. And when, dark, when light comes in, the darkness is expelled. It's not there. 
You can't have light on and darkness in the same place. It doesn't work that way. So those little shoots of light are going out and making more shoots of light. And it was overwhelming. God's goodness was overwhelming. The Christians there that love Jesus are passionate about him. And, and they are on a mission. And our mission was to go help them fulfill their mission. Does that make sense? And so we got to be a part of that. All of you that gave, all of you that kept our children, all of you that made a way for us to go helped bring the light to the darkness. All of you that prayed for us, the spiritual things don't just happen. They happen with a lot of prayer on the backside. So we were able to go because of the prayer, and it is just amazing to know that what y'all have done and what we were able to be a part of is the light coming forth in India, which is a very dark place. And you would think that the enemy was like, there's no way to penetrate it. But Koshi is, and Jesus is, and there is light there, and we got to be a part of it. One more thing. I have not been emotional about things. I, I, I just don't, I just didn't. I, I, God sent me over there not to have a breakdown. And so I, I, I believe he gave me lots of revelation. Like I said, I have lots of things from Jesus. Um, watching those pictures that my friend Tara did uh, got me emotional. She is amazing. Her giftings are amazing. God has gifted her well. And I'm going to tell you, yeah, that's just awesome. <laughs> The reason I say this, and I had this to say this, <laughs> the reason I say this is because <laughs> the reason I say this is because God has gifted all of y'all, and her gift is so much different than mine, so much different. But she brings the light into the darkness because she has Jesus, and she's using her gifts to honor the Lord. And your gifts that God gave you will bring the light into the darkness where we're at because we're familiar with our darkness, our pride, our selfishness, our, um, we're not going to name all of them, but we're familiar with those in America, so we don't see them as heavy darkness, but it's there. And so use your giftings to be the light in this world where we're at, where God has placed us. Yeah, I'm really supposed to follow that? Really? How about, I, I mean, dang. Wow. Um, I, this trip was really, really different for me. This is my third time. I'm Bridget's husband, Richard. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Michelle Catherine, Allison, and John Michael's dad. Um, I commonly don't get to use my name uh, or get to talk at home. Um <laughs> Um, I'm just joking. You, I'm just you might joking. Want to make this about Jesus. It was it was more about the kids, not about you. Um, no, really, really. I just want to say what an honor it was to travel with this team. Uh, twenty-two people. You can't imagine twenty-two people on a short bus in India, um, and the logistics of moving medicines and people. And I mean, it is totally overwhelming for somebody like me. Um, because I'm a logistical type person and 
security. A lot of people don't think about security of, of watching people. Paul Jenkins done an awesome job making sure that, that the two groups, he took one group and I kind of took one group. Um, and really, we, I mean, the covering, that the prayers that you guys prayed, I mean, it, it's just absolutely amazing what, the, what, what it did for our team. And it, it's hard to explain. Um, but I learned more this trip about relationships. Um, and I think relationships, relationship building is absolutely important. And um, our community group is, if, if we didn't have community, um, we would all fall apart. And I, I mean, I, if you're, and I know this is a plug for community group, but it's really not. But if you're not in a community group, I suggest you get into a community group. Um, it is absolutely important that you have people to share with and talk to because we would not have been able to make it without the community that we had. And um, that is just amazing. We're coming down the home stretch. Y'all are doing great. Everybody take a deep breath. Blow it on the person next to you. I don't know if that's going to help you wake up or put you to sleep. I don't know. I promise I'll be brief. Now the most beautiful person on the team. Mm. Can we hold that for you? Yeah, could you? Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I like Bridget. Um, we all like Bridget. I like Bridget. Um, God did amazing things. Taught me a lot of things. So I have lots of stories. So um, we don't have time for all that. So um, please ask me. I would love to tell you um, just the neat things that I witnessed and saw and that God did. But I knew that our team would be sharing lots of personal stories, great stories about our trip. And so... Um, I don't like to speak either in front of people. So um, I thought that it would, as I prayed and prepared for what to share with you, my church, the church I love, um, just um, just to kind of couch or convey a little bit about um, where we went and bring it back home. Um, I just want to share a few statistics with you. I don't want to bore you with statistics, but I think they're important and I think if you kind of I'm a visual person if you kind of have a picture of where we went um, it, it'll help you to pray for India it'll help you pray for Joycey and Koshi and hopefully God will um, burn in your heart a little bit more for um, the unreached people groups um, in our world so um, I got a lot of this information from Operation World um, dot com. It's a great organiz, uh, resource that you can purchase or use online to pray with your families for specific areas of the world and countries and that kind of thing. So great, great resource. Um, India's population is one billion two fourteen million four hundred. 64,312 people. I don't know if I said that right, but a little over one. It's a lot of people. People. 
I, Paul said, just say one billion, but I think the numbers are important because they're people. Um, <laughs> you making fun of me? I don't even like people. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, stop it. Stop it. The view from under the bus is amazing. Yeah. In contrast to that, um, the U.S. population is 313 million people. Huge contrast. Um, people groups in India are a little over 2,500 people. People groups. I think you explained that one time in church what that was. Um, of the 2,500 people groups in India, 88% um, are unreached meaning they significantly have not um, had any access to the gospel or heard about Jesus, heard about God as the one true God for them. Um, New Delhi, where we went, population is a little over 22 million people in New Delhi. To give you a little perspective of that, that is roughly over... 28,000 people per square mile. 28,647 per square mile. Um, there are 589 people groups within New Delhi. There are over 3,000 slums in New Delhi, not India, New Delhi area. Um, a, a little perspective for... Um, Stanley County, we, our population is a little over 60,000 people. Um, in Albemarle, here where we're located, 15,000 people live, work, breathe, and eat in Albemarle. 65% um, do not attend church. We don't have statistics on who are saved. Um, there's a difference between calling yourself a Christian and actually being a follower of Jesus, but the number I do have is 65% do not attend church. Perspective, there are approximately 11,000 people groups within the world. 6,000 of those have not been reached for the gospel. So we threw out seeds in New Delhi, just... I'm a visual person, and that's what we did. We threw out seeds in order to help Koshi and Joyce reach people with the gospel. One more winter, uh, mental picture that um, I want to share is that um, in that little church, I wanted all of y'all to be there so bad. I know it wasn't possible for that. But to see what, what I saw, um, I sat behind Paul. As he preached, had an interpreter, and he preached to 95 people. And he hates to sweat, but he was so sweaty. You saw one of the pictures up here. He was, his whole back from what I saw, and eventually I saw the front. I mean, his this shirt here was completely drenched. And when I saw his shirt, I saw what we do, and we're called to go. And we're, we're called to tell people. And we're called to share our testimonies and tell them. And that's what we were doing as a team. 
But when I saw that crowd and I saw them to res- I saw them respond to Jesus that night, I saw God's spirit there. I saw the Holy Spirit there doing the work. So we're called to go and do to open our mouths and the spirit does the rest. I want to share two verses with you and then I'll be done. Revelation 7 verse 9 says after this I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne before the lamb they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the lamb and so they're there Those unreached people groups, they are there. And they will be there at the end. But we have a job to do. And we have a job to do here in Stanley County. And Jesus said, he came and he told his disciples, all of us who are followers of Jesus, he says, I have been given authority in heaven. I have been given all authority, not just part of the authority. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I command, the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What I learned in India, I learned while clinging for life in a rickshaw. Um, rickshaws are the little motorized kind of tricycles or whatever that they drive around and traffic is crazy there's no way for us to explain that to you even through pictures you just kind of have to be there but um, here's what I learned in India about India and here's what I hope we can wrap this up with so you take something because how many of you by show of hands are going to go to India next week exactly no one's going okay so if if we don't somehow relay something to you that the Spirit can use to change your life here, then we've failed. And here's what I learned. In India, when there's an empty space, it gets filled. If there's a very small opening in traffic, someone's going there. Probably not your guy. If there are three chairs empty, ten kids are going there. In America, it's one. But if there's a space there, they fill it. And, and here's what God told me in India. We live in a very disposable society. So if things get broken here, we typically throw them away and buy something new. Because you can get something new just as cheap as you can get something fixed. You're not disposable to God. Jesus said in the, in the greatest sermon ever preached on the face of the planet... He said this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled, not thrown away. God said in Psalm 146 that he is near to the brokenhearted, not to the people who are well. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, I didn't come for the people who are well. It's the sick that need the doctor. And the reason why spaces get filled in India is because that culture is very aware of of their brokenness they have space and it gets filled 
And why can Koshi have the impact that he does? Because the people there know, I need something. When Koshi and I were speaking, he told me, it's harder in America. Because in India, they know they need. In America, they don't. So here's how I want to end this morning. I want to call you to brokenness. And here's the beauty of brokenness. Because I watched you while they all talked. And I love this about humans. Like you're, you're in, you're out. It's kind of hard. It's hard to engage with something that you didn't do, right? But you know the times that you looked up and really engaged? It was when somebody started crying. Because brokenness engages people. When we're broken, not only do we engage a culture to see, like, that's why you stop and look at train wrecks, right? To see it, how it's going to work out. But when we're broken, we engage the Spirit of God. And He rushes in to fill that space. In 2015, when we go back, we'll be wearing T-shirts that say, Jesus drives a rickshaw. Which makes no sense if you've not been to India. <laughs> but it's because of this. Because that's what Jesus does. He fills empty spaces. And I know this because you're living. Some of you are here today and you're very aware of empty spaces in your life. You're very aware of brokenness. And the typical church culture is smile and no one will ask me about it. And if they do ask me, I'll just say I'm doing great. But this morning, we want to give you the chance to say, hey, I'm not doing great. I'm broken, and I want some of that. I want to see Jesus fill this space in me. And the only way I'm going to do that is we're going to give you a chance to let, let this team pray for you because this team is broken. And the great thing about it, as a pastor, you go watch people get broken, and you just watch the Spirit just begin to fill them and fill them more and more. And so we're going to close this morning with that. Um, I'm going to pray for you guys. And then if you want prayer, I want you to come forward. While everybody else is kind of heading back or they're hanging out there talking, if, if you want prayer, you're broken right now in an area that needs to be filled. We would love to just put our hands on you and pray for you. Make sense? Didn't they do a good job? Thank you. And they, they really could. They could tell you so many more stories. We all have so many more stories. And so all I can really do is encourage you to take us to lunch someday. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you and, and, but, but really, I do encourage you. I'm, you don't have to take us to lunch. But, man, find some of these people. Ask them. Let them share with you some more of what God showed them in India. Um, because it's all transferable. The kingdom of God's growing there, and it's going to grow here. And so what we learn there is, gonna, is for us here as well. So I would highly encourage you to grab one of them, two of them, all of them, whatever, and just let them share even more about what God did.